0: So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're looking at Psalm 15, a psalm of David. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others. Who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Thanks, David. I um ooh, wow. It is a it is an honor and a privilege for me to, to be here, especially um to be able to be invited back <laughs> i'm actually kind of uh, reminded of um uh there's a famous line that's quoted all the time by uh, sally field when she won her second oscar in 1985 got up on stage and famously said you like me you really like me um it's cuz it was the second one that that she uh that she won and and so I kind of feel that that same way, and uh, it actually reflects a little bit about what we're going to talk about today, and that is that we all have this deep uh, need to be accepted. Acceptance is a huge uh, uh, deal. It uh, We all want a favorable reception. We want approval um, uh, from others. We want others' uh, favor. I thought about that long and hard. It was in the back of my mind um, preparing this week, right? I don't want anyone to fall asleep. I want you to to like what you hear and be engaged with it, Um, you whether you consciously or unconsciously this morning, how you dressed, how you did your hair, how long it took you to get ready was all about making sure that you were accepted by folks, approved, found favor in someone's eyes, I would imagine. Uh, It is is just part of life. Much of what we do is either um, trying to work to be accepted or... Uh, much of what we do is to cover up the feelings that we weren't accepted. Uh, it could go either way, but at the middle of it is this idea of acceptance. And today's psalm that we just that David just read is really about that. But it's really focused on God's acceptance, God's acceptance of us. And it was um, written by uh, David. Actually, says the beginning of the psalm says it was written uh, by David. And and I'm I'm sure that we've talked about this in this series, but um, David didn't write all these. He wrote most of them, um, but not all the Psalms. And they were really written um, as for worship. It, it, was, it was him in his quiet time, and it was probably something that a lot of times he wrote and actually says, hey, I want this instrument to be played. I want, I want you to do it kind of this way. So this was written with an intent to share with God's uh, people. And I, and I think it's important to kind of take note especially of what, when David writes a psalm of what it means to be accepted by God, because um, God actually speaks really highly of David. In uh, 1 Samuel, the first king of, of Israel was Saul, and um, not to be confused with the guy Paul, whose first name was Saul later on in the New Testament. But um, he started well, but he didn't end so well. And at one point, the prophet uh, Samuel comes to... To Saul and he says this in verse 13 of chapter 13 of 1 Samuel he says you have done a foolish thing Samuel said to him God had told him to wait and he chose not to because of the pressure of the people he says you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you if you had he being God would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time but now your kingdom will not endure the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and they appointed him ruler of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. He says here that, that God's rejecting you, Saul, but, but he, God purposely sought someone who would reflect his heart, and it turns out this guy is David. David is known as a man who reflects God's heart, and so he writes the psalm, and many, many folks think that actually this psalm was read in, as people entered into worship. As they entered in, he, he, they wanted to be reminded, this is what it means to be accepted by the Lord. Reflect on this. Do you enter in, in, in other words, in a kind of a worthy manner? So let's kind of dive uh, right into this psalm. Verse 1 says, Lord, Ask two questions: Who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? It, it's just—it's—it's it's a qualifying statement, and, and in one sense, it's just—you could just take it as—as—as as, as a question. Just—just just was wondering, God. Just out of curiosity. This—this this word "dwell" actually means to sojourn. It's—it's like—it's it's kind of like a, a visit. To visit. Because the idea of actually staying, of living in God's presence, was completely foreign in this day and time. And especially since the focus is on, the first question is in your uh, the NIVC sacred tent, it's the word translated tabernacle, which which is really the, the place that the Jewish people worshiped. First it was in a movable tent as they were going through the desert, and later on they would build the temple, which um, the second temple that was built, the western wall is the only thing that exists of that temple. But it was the place that the people of God went to to worship God. It was the place, by the way, that God descended from the heavens. And, and he was present. He was among his people. And it was a place that they went to worship. It was a place they went to get their sins forgiven. It was a place they went to to, to hear from God, whether or not they're favored or Unfavored, and he says, "Who who is it that can that can even enter in to your presence to this special place?" And the second question, "Who may live on your holy, holy meaning set apart, different, other than mountain?" That was the Jerusalem, the place that uh, the the tabernacle, which would eventually be the temple, was in. It's it's really it's it's a question. Yes, of saying, God, who can enter into your presence? But you know what it also is? Because we know David and you're, we're going through the other Psalms, it's a question of longing. It's, it, it's, it's, it's David saying, you know what? I have a desire to dwell with God. It's the desire to be with, to abide with. Yes, it's a spiritual question who can draw near to God? But it's also a longing. A, a, a longing to be in the presence of God, a longing to be a favored son, a, a favored daughter of God. It's, it's who is considered faithful, who is cherished by their heavenly father. Who really is daddy's favorite? If you have a sibling, right, you've asked that question. Who's dad or mom's favorite? Who, who, who is it really? And, it, and it's, it's that longing to to hear from dad, to hear from mom, and in this case, dad, well done. I like you. You're my favorite. So who is it, is the question. And then he'll give four general, several characteristics, but four general characteristics of what I'm calling of a faithful son or daughter. The first one is found in verse two. He says, of those who can enter in, those who can dwell with God, the favored son or daughter, are those whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, and who speaks the truth from their heart. Now, there's three different aspects here. Walking, doing, speaking. The first is walk blameless, but this does not mean sinless without anything going wrong in their life. The scripture is clear there is no one sinless except for God himself. Interesting enough, in, in over half the occurrences that this word is used, this word blameless is used in the, I call it Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. In the scriptures, is actually refers to the sacrifice, the ram or the bull that must be blameless in order to be sacrificed. In other words, you're not supposed to bring a, 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 the sheep you have with a bad leg. Or the, the bowl that you have with the big cyst on its back, you're supposed to bring the best to God. It's it's this kind of the idea that it's someone whose who's life direction, their walk, is in stride with God's. They would be somewhat considered a, a daddy's boy or a daddy's girl. If if you happen to be lucky one to be either daddy or mommy's favorite know what that means it means that generally you like the things they liked you did the things that they approved of you you you, there's some connection there and to walk blameless with with god is is someone who's who walks in stride with god in the direction that god would walk not perfectly but that is the general direction that is the that is the direction of their life as opposed to the other child of the family which i hope you're not Right? Who seems to walk in the opposite direction that the parents would like them to go. The second is is their work. Their work is righteous. And it, it, it really means this word righteous really means uh, uh, you're in right relationship to an ethical or legal standard. It is about the rules, quite frankly. It's about the 613 or 23, 623 different laws in the Hebrew Scriptures. And again, it's not that you keep them all, but this is someone who's working hard to make dad happy. They don't bend the rules because, well, dad's favor is more important than fun, right? That's, a, that's the, it, you know, if you had a sibling that was the favorite, right, you're probably used to the scene where you all say, you know, let's sneak out or let's grab this. And they were, a lot of times, they were the one that went, no, 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 no. Dad, but dad will never know. No, no, no. Why? They didn't want to spoil that relationship. They were, they were going to go by the rules because that relationship was more important than whatever fun they could possibly get out of this. Next, they would speak truth from the heart. A, a, a rabbi, unchristian, a rabbi, Rashi, says this about this verse. He says, the good that the person says in their heart is true. In other words, they're not a hypocrite. What they do and what's inside their heart is really the same. So, Because all of us also know somebody who was the favorite, that was played the favorite in front of mom and dad, and then when it came time to break the rules, they were in with everyone else. It was just an act. But this person, they're not just pretending to impress daddy when he's watching. They speak from the heart because they really do love the father. Christ talks about this. You might want to write this down if you take notes in Luke 6, verse 45. Luke 6, verse 45. Jesus says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in their heart, and an evil man or woman brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The same idea. In other words, the first, if you would, characteristic of a faithful son or daughter is that they're in right relationship with God. That's it. Who may dwell? Who may live? Who gets to be daddy's favorite? Well, first of all, they have to be in right relationship with daddy. Kind of makes sense. That vertical relationship must be good. That vertical relationship must be thriving. And people may not understand the relationship. They may not understand or even agree with a person's life. But what they do understand, that a lot of times people use things like they're a spiritual person. Or they might even say that person's a religious person. What they're they're trying to express is is this idea is it's obvious when I observe that person's life, God is important to them. He's not just something that's kind of like, you know, like they vote once a year, and so they go to church one or two times a year, or maybe even every Sunday. It's not something that's just a tagline. It is, it is their life. It is their love. The second thing, verse 3, says this, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slurs on others. I, I, I don't really need to explain this too much, Right? Basically, this is somebody who doesn't um, do all the wrong things on social media. All the things that drives us crazes. They don't make malicious, false, or unjustifiable statements of others. They don't slander. Uh, wrong neighbor basically means that they don't do anything bad. They're looking out for others. They're an encourager, not a tearer down. They don't slur. It means they don't cast blame. They don't, they don't scorn someone. It's, it's all about how you, how you treat and that, you, that you're, you're looking to treat others with encouragement and, and in a positive way rather than tear them down, right, to make yourself look better. That's the other thing is in order to make, you don't look better to God by tearing others down, which a lot of times we fall into that. I look better if others look lower. God don't play that game. The second characteristic of a faithful son or daughter is that they're in right relationship with others. Not only in relationship with God, but we're in the horizontal right relationship with others. They're, they're, their relationships are generally characterized in a positive way, in an encouraging way. That, that by the way, doesn't mean they agree with everything with others. It doesn't mean they can't say no. It just means that it's, 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 they have a good, if you would, social media neighborhood and office reputation. There's someone that others feel comfortable knowing and interacting with and maybe and telling their secrets to. Telling their, if you would, their deep dark sins even to. Because they know that they can be trusted. They know that they can, that they'll get encouragement, that they'll get love, that they'll get a, a positive response, even if they disagree. Right? If you have a really good friend, right, you know they're a good friend, not because they agree with everything in your life, but because They'll speak the truth in your life where you mess up, but they, they're always for you, even in the midst of that. It's the same idea. The third thing in verse 4, it says, those who can dwell in God's presence, who despises a vile, a, a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. The first part, despises a vile person, this doesn't justify hate. But what it does do is it says that it encourages us not to accept or praise that which God calls sin. And David knew that we cannot love good unless we oppose evil. Again, this isn't license it isn't the idea of I hate those people, and so, so it's okay for me, again, to go on a social media or to talk around the water cooler or around the plug-in charge for Prius. I don't even know we do water coolers anymore, but whatever we do, and tear people down, and these people are, you know, God hates these people. No, 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 that's not that idea. But on the other hand, it's also not this kind of this generic everyone's good. Everyone has their own way. doesn't matter what they do, as long as it works for them. God, those who are God's people. They see sin for what it is. Not, not that person is damned and there's no hope for them because if that was true, we'd all be in that boat. But it's part of the brokenness of our world. It's, it's part of the ugliness of our world. It's, it's part of why this world does not work. And on, on the opposite side, those who follow God's ways, even if they're, if they're not as famous, if they're not as uh, uh, su- uh, suave, we give preference to the God of, of God's children. We give honor to spiritual leadership, those who are working hard on our behalf to, uh, to teach and to guide and to encourage and sometimes even to correct us that we may walk m- more closely with God. And the second part really has to do with others, where that really has to do with the relationship with God. The second part has to do with others, um, where it says, we keep an oath even when it hurts. They don't change your mind. In other words, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Your commitment to others is important, even when it hurts. We definitely live in a world where we go, yeah, you know what, I, I made this commitment thinking one thing, and then I found out how much it was going to cost me. And then I found out Right, I, I really wanted to teach second grade Sunday school, but I, I didn't think about what happens when ski season comes up. Or I really wanted to help you move, and, and I know I said that I was going to try to be there, but, but all of a sudden I got this, this invitation to this cool concert I just can't miss. Or I know that I borrowed that money and I said I would pay it back, but it's really, really tough, and I found out that you know with a lawyer and this and that, I can kind of get out of that. Better circumstances don't change the commitment. We don't just change our mind. In Jesus' words, we let our yes be yes and our no be no. In other words, the third characteristic of a faithful son or daughter is not only in right relationship with God and the right relationship with others, but they're fully committed to both, even when it hurts. They're fully committed to God. They love the things he loves and hates the things that he hates. They're fully committed to others even when their commitment to others costs them dearly. They lay their lives down for others. It's a full commitment. These are the favored, faithful sons and daughters of Christ. Lastly, in verse 5, he says, those who are in God's presence can enter into God's presence, enter into his tabernacle, or those who, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocents. this first part interest really isn't an injunction against uh, our current system of lending money this wasn't even a category in this day and age the the middle class and how we use in in modern day banking it's not really what it's talking about what it's talking about is taking advantage of the poor who have no options it's somebody coming and saying Hey, you know what? I'm in desperate need. My child is going to die. I'm not going to be able to do whatever if you don't help me. And you go, yeah, I'll help you, but it's going to cost you too. It's taking advantage of that situation. It's encouragement to help others with no reward in mind. Again, I would point to Jesus. You might want to write this down in the margin of your notes. Luke 14, verses 12 through 14. Luke 14, verses 12 through 14. Jesus says to his host who hosts this dinner, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid by them. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, God's people second part of this is don't take a bribe against the innocent in other words don't let personal gain influence issues of justice all throughout the scriptures you see god has a heart for justice especially for those who are marginalized who can't fight on their own it's not just talking about a financial bribe to lie or not testify unrighteously against someone but it's really don't turn a blind eye to injustice because you have it better I think a lot of us, though we may, maybe won't take a, a, a bribe, you know, to, to, to give false testimony, we unconsciously fall for, you know what, I just get absorbed in my world, and I'm just blind to what's happening to the rest of the world. That's their deal. And, and in essence, our, the, the comfort of our own riches, the comfort of our own lifestyle, and we kind of begin to just kind of stop caring. Stop seeing. Now, I'm not saying you jump on every bandwagon there is out there because a lot of those are leading to the wrong place. But you don't shut your heart down either. The fourth characteristic of a faithful son or daughter is that they reflect God's heart for compassion and justice. It's not that you just love God and you don't harm anyone. It's that you actively seek to serve those that are different than you those who have less than you those that are less fortunate than you those who disagree with you and you stand for issues of justice and then he ends with this statement whoever does these things will never be shaken shaken from what it goes back to the very first sentence shaken from being in the presence of god of being a favored son or daughter. Again, the Jewish rabbi Rashi says, this person deserves to sojourn in God's tent. In the Jewish mind, if you fulfill this, it is your right, it is your privilege to dwell in the presence of God. This is a person that God accepts They are secure in their relationship with God. Jesus actually, again, talks about the same idea. Again, you may want to put down your notes, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, specifically verses 24 through 27. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gives us those verses. He says, Don't just, you know, love your friends, but love your enemies. And he really raises the bar. Lay your life down for those that are contrary to you. And people go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of like we want to read this lesson. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. And then Jesus stops and he says this. He says, those who hear my words and put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. And those who don't, they listen, but they don't put my words into practice. This is like the man who built his house on the sand. And then when the storms came, what happens? The house on the sands washed away, but the house on the rock stands. It is not shaken. It's not shaken. Now, there's a challenge for us in Psalm 15. And this is always the issue when we're in the Hebrew Scriptures. This is true, but it's also untrue. I hope I have your attention. Psalm 15 highlights the difference between what we call the old Mosaic covenant. Now, I know that sounds really fancy talk. Let me just explain it really quickly. In the time of Moses, therefore Mosaic, God makes a deal, therefore it's a covenant. And the deal was this. Here are my 623 rules. If you follow them, I will bless you. If you don't follow them, I will curse you. Now, the good news is that was the old way. That was the old agreement. The new covenant, new meaning it's newer than the old, takes the place of the old. Covenant means that it's agreement between God and man comes through Jesus. It's a, it's a new agreement. And it changes Psalm 15. Psalm 15 used to be if you do these things, if you do those four things, you're in right relationship with God, you're in right relationship with others all the time, you're fully committed to both, you reflect God's compassion, you reflect God's justice, then, then you unequivocally are accepted. The problem with that is, my first point here, we all fall short. every single one of us, even David. And if you believe it or not, Cindy. <laughs> I know that's a hard one to believe. We all fall short. We all fall short. And the truth is, because this isn't just, if you you look at Psalm 15, you'll you'll notice he doesn't just address what you do. He addresses your motives. He addresses what you you should do that you don't do. The truth is none of us even reach 50%. This isn't just we barely, we just kind of are right below the mark. We don't even hit 50%. In Romans chapter uh, 3, Paul says this very idea. He quotes, actually, the Hebrew Scriptures, and he says this. As is written in the Hebrew Scriptures, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You know why he quotes that? Because he's talking about the sins of those who are outside. I'm going to modernize this. The church, religion. And, and the religious people are going, yeah, yeah, those people, those people. And then he turns and says, wait, wait, wait. What did our scripture say? None of us are righteous. None of us are righteous. He always gets us like this. There's a story in the, in the scriptures where uh, they bring a woman caught in adultery to Jesus, and they say, should we stone her? Which technically, according to the old law, they should. Now, they didn't bring the guy. Sexism was alive then, too. They bring her and said, what should we do? And Jesus Jesus. He says, a smart guy. He says, you know what? You're right. That's what the law says. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. That's what the law says. Whoever amongst you is without sin, you cast the first stone. And it actually says the old men dropped the rocks first. Why? Because they knew what the scripture said. It took the young guys a little more time to kind of catch on, that if they threw the stone, they'd be a worse sinner than the woman because that would blaspheme. because only God is without sin. We all fall short. So here's the new covenant. Here's the good news. Jesus is the basis of our acceptance. We're not accepted because we fit all the rules. We're accepted not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did, past tense. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 1, 21, 22. He says, once you are alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. In other words, you know Psalm 15? You just did not, were not, could not. You won't actually find that in the Bible. But. but now, he, God, has reconciled you by Christ. That's Jesus. Christ's physical body through death to present you holy, set apart in God's sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You're not without blemish because you finally got it together. You're without blemish because the one without blemish, Jesus, paid the price for your messing up and my messing up, for your brokenness, my brokenness, for your sin and my sin. He paid the price, and now we're free from accusation. We are favored sons and daughters of God because of Christ alone, period. Period. And the result of our acceptance, though, is the characteristics of a faithful son or daughter. It's not why we're accepted, it's the result. When God comes to you and says, I'll take you just as you are. I love you so much, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to leave the throne of heaven and, and become a human, which I created, go through a, a rejection from the very ones I created, allow them to torture me and die for you. You think you are favored in my eyes? If someone does that for you, the response should be, how can I bless you? I know I can never repay you, but just give me something to do. And it's a result. Our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our commitment to both, our commitment to compassion and justice is a result that God loved us first. It's not why we're accepted. We're already accepted if we, if we trust what Christ did for us. But it is a result that we have been accepted Second John verse six says this, and this is love that we walk in what? Obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command, Christ's command is that you what? Walk in love. But it's a response to obedience, to loving him because he loved us first. Let Let me conclude with this example. This first picture here, this was shortly after. These are my four adopted children and my wife and I, uh, back in a long time ago, <laughs> 14 years ago, I guess it was, somewhere around there. So, um, the, uh, young kind of red hair is Troy, the, uh, young curly haired gal is, uh, his biological sister, Haley. We had just, they had just come to our family and then Jesse's in the, uh, in the middle and then, uh, uh, Brittany is in Lynn's arms. Those are our four adopted children. Um, we have a weird story. I'm not going to go into all the details. All I'll tell you is this. In each case, <clears throat> somebody came to us and said, we didn't go to adopt. Like, someone came to us and said, will you take our child temporarily or permanently or whatever? And so um, we actually, in this, in this case, Haley and Troy, we found out Friday that they were coming to our home, and this is Monday, this picture. And so... When we were called, um, we did not say, okay, wait a second. Um, do they eat their vegetables? Do they get along? Will they treat uh, our other two children? We didn't give a list. They just called. They said there were a need. We figured, just like the other two, this must be a God thing. And so we were like, okay. We took them just as they were. That was their acceptance. But let me let you in on something. When we accepted them just as they were, our hope for their life was that they would not, that, that by coming into our family, they would be different than if they'd stayed in their family of origin. Because all four of them had moms and dads, well-meaning, uh, gifts of their own right, but they all had drug and alcohol problems. And they all had, had made decisions that the drug and alcohol was more important than my children. And that led down a different path. These kids, all four, no matter, my, my wife and I, we make lots of mistakes. But the one thing we comfort ourselves is it probably would have been worse if they had stayed with their biological mom dad. Not because we're better, we're just not addicts. And so though we took them, we accepted them for where they're at, just like God accepts us for where we're at, when you come into his family you kind of begin to develop the family characteristics. The second picture is uh, the picture of our family. This was just taken about a month ago. My oldest daughter, Brittany, graduated from high school. And here they are. Now, they still have issues because their parents still have issues. (laughs) But there is some common family characteristics where you go, where where teachers who have had them go, yeah, this this. This child is part of the King family. Even though they're not biologically our children, and there are some biological markers that we cannot change, let me just tell you. But there are characteristics of the King family of of some good things and maybe some not some good things. And that's God's hope for us as well. He he opens, he adopts us through Christ. And the only criteria is is that we're willing to let him do for us what we cannot do ourselves, and we want to make him daddy, We want to make him Lord. It's not just Savior, it's Lord. But when we do that, we begin to hang out with Daddy. You begin to hang out with your Heavenly Father. Or, as the psalm says, our Heavenly Mother who takes us under His wing. It's both. But as you do that and you hang out and you pursue Him, you begin to look like Him. You begin to desire Him more. You begin to walk in His ways. You begin to to live by His standards. You begin to, your heart and, and what you do begin to line up and that pours out on how you treat others and your commitment grows and grows and grows and grows and then issues beyond yourself, you little by little get off the middle of your life and God more and more begins to get in the center. It doesn't happen overnight and after a lifetime it's not completely done but it's more than it used to be. Just like our kids, it took time. It's the result of being with Daddy. And so I would invite you to two things this morning. First of all, your daddy loves you. We don't don't come together just to kind of stir something spiritually in you. We we come together to celebrate the love of a heavenly daddy who desperately wants you to know that he loves you. He already knows you. No one can know you better than him. What's amazing is that he knows you so well and still, what's amazing, he knows me so well, and he still wants to be with me. I'm a, oh. But the second thing is, I hope that by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you, you are moved. You're moved to spend a little bit more time climbing up into daddy's lap. You're moved a little bit more, um, like David, to desire To dwell. Because that's what heaven is. Heaven is not a reward for the good because there's no one who's really good. Really. Heaven is a place for God's children who imperfectly said, God, I'd rather live, in, in the here and now, I'd rather live my life for you and your ways than my own. And the reward is, you get that for eternity. And a loving God, Allows those who rather not have that to have that for eternity. Make a choice, and then fully commit to it. We pray for us, dear God. I don't know if I if I adequately represented you, Lord. I pray, dear God, where words were mine that they may fall away. But where they were by the power of your spirit, may they take root. That we may be called and felt drawn to you. That our hearts may be softened to receive your word and start relationship with you. And those of us who know you may be drawn in a little bit more to live like the wonderful, beloved children that we are. We do that by your power. In Jesus' name, amen.